Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox, once again recording from my bedroom as we enter week two of Shelter in Place here in Washington State amid the coronavirus. Well, many musicians are out of work or going online to reach their audience while venues are closed. That's what we'll be exploring on the show today. We'll hear from one musician who's taking their music online after getting gigs canceled. And I think it's totally natural, especially for us musicians, to feel despair and also think about how we can utilize this time where we're basically mandated to be at home to really delve into our artistry. We'll hear how some artists are finding success in taking their craft online, like Seattle's Dance Church, which saw 10,000 people pop onto each of their live stream dance classes last week. Dance Church is like prime corona spreading. You're sweating, you're like rolling around in each other's sweat, you're like holding hands, you're breathing on each other. Like, it's like prime corona. But first, a story about how musicians can monetize their live streams amid coronavirus. I know my social media pages have been filled with musicians doing live streams of them performing in their bedrooms or living rooms while giving away their Venmo account names. Yet a program generally associated with streaming video games online is also a place to generate revenue for live music performances. It's Twitch. I caught up with three people involved in the Twitch community to learn what it is about Twitch that generally allows musicians to create a stronger online fan base and generate more money. I first caught up with Karen Allen. She's author of the book Twitch for Musicians, a step-by-step guide to producing a live stream, growing audience, and making money as a musician on Twitch. You know, I think artists are just trying whatever is at their fingertips, and they're having to learn at a breakneck pace. So some of them are just doing the easy thing and going on Instagram Live because that's where their fans are, and it's easy to stream from there. Um, Some are doing YouTube, some are doing Facebook, some are trying to replace their ticket revenue for their tours that they had to cancel with doing a series of shows on Stageit. Stageit is a live stream platform where you can actually charge a ticket price. The other streaming services don't really let you do that. So I think they're just trying everything. Um, Twitch is definitely on the list. It's a little more complicated than the other platforms. And a lot of them don't have audience there, so they're, they're just trying to figure it out. Twitch has a lot more bells and whistles, but it was built to be more interactive than, say, a polished performance on YouTube. Twitch fans are also more engaged. Ellen says the average Twitch user stays in the platform on average for an hour and a half. So live streaming in general is really more of a lean-in experience than everything, every other sort of social content medium. On Facebook, on Instagram, you're kind of scrolling through and taking little quick bites of, of, um, of content, and the content is meant to be consumed in quick bites. It is the complete opposite on live streaming. You're there to hang out. You're there to, to get to know the streamer. They're there to get to know you. 
Um, you're meant to chat with everybody else who's watching. What the streamers are doing on there is they're playing a song and then they're checking out the chat and responding to comments and having a conversation. And then they're playing a song and then they're going in the chat and playing a song and going in the chat. So it's a it's a whole different experience. It's not a formal concert. It's not meant to be you know, a fly in the wall experience for the viewer. It's meant to be very lean in where you can request a song and you can make conversation with the streamer and you can make conversation with everybody else in the stream. And because that that's what's happening there, we find that the um, session times are much longer. The average session time for a user on Twitch is 90 minutes. Ellen says those viewers want to feel connected to the artists they're listening to. So what I really love about Twitch is that it's a real community. So it's not a live stream feature that's buried in a larger social media platform. It's actually a dedicated live stream community. Community is something Twitch musician Marina V has seen. She was a traditional touring musician for 20 years. She joined Twitch last year after a big life event. I got pregnant <laughs> and had to stop touring. Um, and I was devastated because touring is one of my favorite things in the world. Twitch has allowed her to continue performing while being able to be at home with her baby someone who makes a regular appearance on our Twitch streams. Oh, there she goes, playing piano. Can you see in the side camera, you guys? It's her first live performance. It's her, that's right, her first live performance. Oh, Marina V was able to use her Twitch community to throw a baby shower for her. It was an idea inspired by her fans. Several people said, like, hey, where are you registered? Because we'd like to send me a present. I'm like, wow, a fan wants to send me a present for the baby? I, I was actually quite surprised. But then that's what sparked the idea for the online baby shower in the first place. So we sent them regist- uh, our baby registry uh, links and then also said, okay, you want to <laughs> enter a raffle to uh, guess the baby's birth date, what, what that's going to be. So we did stuff like that. So uh, during the baby shower, uh, um, we prepared it for about a month. So a lot of the gifts had already arrived to our house. So I would play a song and said, okay, this gift is from Joe Smith from Washington State. And I would unwrap like, you know, the diaper bag, you know. Got little socks and washcloths. Super important. And these are wiggle proof socks. So that supposedly the baby will not wiggle out of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Reese and Julie in Springfield. Uh, really appreciate it, you guys. While Marina V isn't making the same kind of money she did when she was touring, she says Twitch has been a good alternative to be able to perform as a new mom. Being on Twitch has changed my life for the better because if it weren't for being able to quote-unquote tour from my living room, I don't know how I would proceed as a musician because performing live is such a big part of who I am and who I've been and connecting to my fans. There's some artists on Twitch who have been able to quit their day jobs and rely on Twitch as their main source of income. Allison was a Sagittarius Broke my heart in the winter I remember watching nights roll past As I threw out your letter My name is Megan Lennies. I am a Twitch musician. She, like many serious Twitch musicians, performs a few times a week for three hours or more at a time. The most amount of money I made in a stream was probably $3,000. I had somebody donate 
$2,500 for me to get like a brand new guitar. I funded like all of my, instead of doing like using crowdfunding websites, I've used Twitch to do that. So I funded all of my singles, a bunch of equipment, anything that I need, I fund that all through Twitch. Lenius is in her early 20s and grew up trying out many different streaming platforms such as YouTube and Periscope. She says a lot of those platforms were already oversaturated when she arrived. She says she got onto Twitch early and has been able to utilize the platform's emphasis on monetization. The cool thing about Twitch is that the attitude that they have or they have built into the platform that it's okay to give money. It's a cool thing to give money to support your the streamer. And I think about like back when YouTubers first started getting sponsorships, they couldn't say that they were getting sponsored because they'd be told they were selling out. And Twitch, on the other hand, from the very beginning, people want to support you and they want to give you money. They want to donate. They want to see you like your surprise when they give you a hundred dollar donation or when they gift 10 subscribers. It's built into the fabric of the platform. And that's something that a lot of other places don't have. Twitch also comes with some fun ways for musicians to work for that money. Viewers can request songs if they donate. Hey, Dr. Dridget, Dridget, Thank you for the 100 bits. They can even ask for you to learn a song right on the spot, usually with a donation. What song? I'm not really in the mood to do a live learn, but if it's a song that I might know, I might do it. Hi, Naman, how are you? Because Twitch creates an environment where it's taking viewers to your bedroom or living room, it's inherently less formal and can also be used as a time for musicians to simply work on their craft while generating some income from it. Lenigas says she doesn't want to solely be a professional Twitch streamer, but to use it to enhance her music career. I look at Twitch as, it's like my practice. I have my... My Twitch streams are where if I have a new song, I can play that for all of my viewers, the people that you know are true fans of mine, and they can see the process of me rehearsing it and putting it together, and then they'll buy a ticket to an actual show and they'll see the finished product. I don't think it'll ever replace touring or it'll ever replace like professional musician or your traditional your your shows and things like that, but it's something that's easily added on top of it. When it comes to live streaming during the coronavirus, both Lennius and Marina V have seen an uptick in viewership during the past few weeks. If you're a musician thinking of hopping on the live stream train during these times, here's some advice from Karen Allen, author of Twitch for Musicians. The biggest advice I give to artists who want to stream is I, I really ask them, do you want to be a streamer or do you want to just do a few streams? If you want to just do a few streams, then I say go where you already have audience. YouTube does have monetization. It's very similar to Twitch. It's just harder to qualify into. Facebook does have monetization. It's nowhere near as good as Twitch. Instagram has no monetization. But if you just want to connect with your fans and sort of get through this hump that we're in right now, go where you already have audience. You'll have a lot more fun. If you want to stream over time, like you want to see if you really want to you know, become a streamer, even if you're only doing it once or twice a month, Twitch is really your best home for that. Meanwhile, you can check out some other live stream music events recommended by the KEXP team. Go to kexp.org and click on our virtual events calendar. You can also see all of KEXP's live and studio performances on our YouTube channel. This is Sound and Vision. 
Hollis Wongler is a Seattle and LA-based musician. You might recognize her voice in Macklemore's song, White Walls. She's also in the band Flavor Blue. She recently released her first solo EP that featured this single, Sedative. I caught up with Hollis last week to see how the coronavirus has impacted her as a musician and how she's been bringing her passions in music online during isolation. So first off, like, how are you amid all of this coronavirus stuff? Like, how are you feeling right now? I, you know, I kind of oscillate between two feelings. One is nervousness, anxiety, and despair. (laughs) And I think I was definitely there as soon as all of the live performance opportunities that I had been setting up for months between a tour in May supporting my friend Watsky or setting up my Hollis Does Brunch series, as all of those opportunities evaporated, it felt like such a huge loss for me. Um, I think what I've been trying to do in the last week is really balance that with a deep sense of gratitude and thankfulness that I have a roof over my head, that my pantry is stocked, that I love to cook and that cooking as that has actually been a meditative and healing practice for me during this time. And I think it's totally natural, especially for us musicians to, you know, feel despair and also to take stock and feel gratitude and also think about how we can utilize this time where we're basically mandated to be at home to really delve into our artistry and think about what we have to say and what the world needs to hear. Yeah, and I want to get to that part where we're we're looking at things in a different way, in a more creative way. But, you know, going back, so you said Hollis does brunch. Um, what was that project? I mean, I guess we should back up a little more because you released an EP recently and you're also like trying to do like album release parties. You were supposed to play South by Southwest, you know, that got canceled. So can you just talk about like as a musician, how how you have been impacted by, you know, the coronavirus and how it has impacted you in terms of your ability to perform or even just make money. I mean, how is it how has it impacted your bottom line? Totally. So, yeah, my bottom line was definitely super hit and I did release my debut EP on February 14th and I was able to do my initial the first event of the series Hollis Does Brunch, which is my concept of bringing the culinary arts and the musical arts together into one place. So we had a really beautiful gathering um, right when things were starting to turn with coronavirus in Seattle. So we uh, brought in Hood Famous Bake Shop. They created an incredible brunch spread. I had performers Nikita Oliver and Gabriel Teodros and Daniel Pock perform. And the vibe felt really good um, and really strong. And then five days after that, schools were closed and you know the the reality of the need of for social distancing sit, sat in and i think it's hard because for me thing that's just me as an artist is really being in front of audiences but also connecting with audiences in an authentic way and creating opportunities for us to be together because because of our digital realities we're so isolated 
often, um, even though there's the premise and the kind of auspices of connectivity. So often we're by ourselves and it's really precious to be together in community and to be thoughtfully listening to and to speaking to each other. So for me, nuts and bolts, I was supposed to go to South by Southwest and I was actually producing programming at the festival. So I took a huge hit on expenses that had already been spent for production um, between accommodations and venue rental and uh, material and supplies and travel. Um, so that was a couple thousand dollars. Um, I was supposed to go, I had about six shows lined up uh, and that was also some thousands of dollars lost, not to mention the merchandise that I had already invested in and was planning on selling. I made vinyl for my EP and my plan was to use that as a driver to gain back revenue because as all artists know, it costs so much money and so much resources, not to mention the time and the love and the heart that you put into it to release a project. Um, and I've been seeing those stories echoed folks that had just released a project and were planning on using South by, I think a lot of artists use South by as kind of a mainstay of their touring strategy. Um, and we're all looking to recoup the expenses that we made for our EPs or our projects. So, and some really cool opportunities. Like I was going to be part of a campaign where I was going to be performing at CenturyLink Field and that went away. Um, so it definitely felt like a loss. And at the same time, I'm really grateful that I'm working on projects that are ringing in revenue on like the communication sides of things. So I, it could really be a lot worse for me. And I really had to tell myself that um, how grateful I am that I have support, that people have been reaching out asking how they can support me. And yeah, just thinking about how I can systematize it so that it, I can make it easy for folks to, to connect with me personally and to be able to support me during this time. I mean, something, you know, just watching, you know, so many people try to think of new ways to still put themselves out there, still look for ways to generate money. I mean, we saw last week, you know, Bandcamp giving all the proceeds directly to artists, which generated a lot of money, um, you know, just just as a whole, like seeing people come together and decide to give directly to artists. We've been seeing a lot of live streams pop up all over the place. And so we're seeing people come together and still make music in new ways. And I'm wondering, have you seen other ways in which musicians are coming together and and still being able to express themselves and do their craft in, in new ways that we haven't seen as much before, you know, until this whole quarantine and, and coronavirus hit? Right. Well, I think first, I'm really lucky that I was able to take part in a virtual concert. It was a virtual songwriters in the round with my friends Milk, Dressage and Lily Kershaw. And we did a four person Zoom and then live broadcasted that on YouTube live. Um, and we made it a fundraiser for Feeding America, which is an organization that provides support to food banks across the country. And we were really pleasantly surprised and really grateful that, you know, we had almost 200 people show up to our songwriters in the round and we were able to raise $1,400 that night. And that level of connectivity, even though we weren't all in the same room together, it definitely gave me the same amount of adrenaline that uh, a live performance would. I was just so thrilled to be able to perform and also to be able to connect with audience, even if we were just using the live chat. Um, and I think that it's really a great way to be able to think about how can we start to, how can we ensure that this moment in time when it's so, so important for us to stay home, that we're not rushing that because that would be a huge 
public health issue and we need to be supporting folks on the ground first and foremost, how can we take that feeling of connectivity and that feeling of being alive through music and how can we potentially use that through different musical channels? Um, I'm planning on doing my Hollis Does Brunch series, but taking it online for the time being. So my hope is to engage chefs and restaurateurs and folks in this restaurant and beverage industry that have been really impacted by the pandemic, as well as feature musicians and poets and kind of do a, a weekly variety show where we all showcase our home-cooked meals because all of us are getting busy in the kitchen. Um, and also hear some live music so that there can be a sense of connectivity and normalcy as we continue to grapple with our very unprecedented times. That was Hollis Wonglair. You can check out her Hollis Does Brunch series. We posted a link to her YouTube and Twitch pages on the details page of this episode. So it seems you've come around to me. Must be nice to have the it seems I'm rather stuck with me Until I'm in a coffin Until I'm in a coffin Until I'm in a coffin Yeah, it seems I'm rather stuck with me It's unsettling, but settling Take it all, swallow it Arts program has had massive success bringing their work to an online audience amid coronavirus. It's Dance Church. Imagine a few professional dancers taking up a screen to the sounds of Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, and Rihanna while giving general instructions on how to move your body and when without it being a fully choreographed class. It's more interpretive dance than, say, Zumba. There's no choreography. There's no front. It kind of feels like a dance party, like it has club mentality to it. That's Kate Wallach. She founded Dance Church 10 years ago after graduating from Seattle's Cornish College of the Arts. Rather than take the traditional route of auditioning for dance tours or moving to New York to audition for dance companies, she first created Dance Church as part of her personal practice, then opened it up to the public. As Wallach's friends were dancing with tour companies around the world, she was still in Seattle. Just teaching Dance Church every Sunday morning. And as my community started to grow, Dance Church started to grow. At first, about five people would show up for Dance Church. 
Compare that to now. 160. And then there's 30 people who are being turned away at the door because we've reached capacity. (laughs) Dance Church has also expanded to New York, L.A., Portland and Indianapolis, as well as Salt Lake City. So when coronavirus hit and Wallach realized she couldn't do Dance Church in person, she set up a live stream and it's been incredibly successful. Each Dance Church session she's done in this past week has seen 10,000 people view the stream with about 4,000 people watching at any given moment. It blows my mind that 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 is happening. I don't know. It just never would have thought that this is now our new reality of dancing. (laughs) I caught up with Wallach last week. She explained why movement is so important during the coronavirus pandemic and why she decided to take Dance Church online. She says that decision came about three weeks ago when Washington state's governor prohibited gatherings of 250 people or more and requiring gatherings below that size to comply with CDC guidelines to prevent the spread of the virus. We were supposed to have Wednesday night dance church and uh, we just like everything was getting so bad, so bad. And like some of the dance church community members reached out to me being like, Kate, this is like you really can't do dance church anymore. But Dance Church is like the underbelly financially of so much of what we do. And so I was like, if we don't have Dance Church, we don't have anything. And Dance Church employs 30 different dance artists around the country. And for a lot of them, this is like a main source of income for them. Um, And for my studio, the same thing. And so... I was like, okay, all dance churches are stopping because dance church is like prime Corona spreading uh, like area, you know, like you're sweating, you're like rolling around in each other's sweat. You're like holding hands, you're breathing on each other. Like it's like prime Corona. And um, so I was like, we can't do that anymore. And we came up with the idea to to live stream dance church. Do you think that, you know, once this whole coronavirus thing blows over, you'll still offer it online? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a really beautiful thing. I, it makes me cry thinking about like my family being able to have access to dance church and um, and, you know, people who you people who wouldn't otherwise, you know, be able to like roll up to like dance church at, in L.A. or New York. And so I think it's been a really beautiful, special thing to connect people um, around the around the world. Why do you think movement is so important at this time? You know, as we're kind of isolating and a lot of us are stuck at home, why is movement important? People are so disconnected from their bodies. People are disconnected from touch. And I think that that's already in a world where you're not being forced to do that, you know? And so I feel like the fact that now everybody is forced to be at home and they're not allowed to leave, they're not allowed to touch. I think more than ever, people are really feeling that viscerally. You know, they're feeling disconnected from people. They're feeling disconnected from their bodies. Even me, I am a dancer. Like I've been sitting every day and my hip flexors are just screaming, but also my soul is like feels confined, you know? And I think movement is an opportunity to get outside of yourself and to get outside of your edges and your, your sort of, you know, the border of your actual skin. And so I think more than ever people need that release. They need that way to like express and to, to release, uh, to release. Um, and 
you know, from its core, that's why I created Dance Church was because I needed a release from, you know, all the technique in my body. I needed a space that I felt like I could belong and where I had the permission to be silly and to laugh and to like sing. And so, you know, now that we're all confined inside of our houses, I feel like everyone's literally needs an opportunity to sort of like break out the walls, if you know what I mean. And so I think more than ever, people are going to be connecting with like really viscerally needing to connect with their bodies. And so it's really beautiful and special to see people actually doing that and they're sharing it on the internet. And it's, it's really, it's kind of fun and inspiring to see everybody connecting right now in this time that is so intense and scary and people have lost their jobs and um, yeah, we just, we don't really know what the other side looks like. So my hope is that, being able to bring people the movement, being able to bring people the dance can be, you know, this this little 50 minute chunk of like giving people a sense of joy and knowing that that's always available and, and, and can be accessible to them, you know. That was my conversation with Kate Wallach of Dance Church. You can stream their classes at go.dancechurch.com at 5 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays and 10 a.m. Pacific on Sundays. This is Sound and Vision. Well, it's time now for this week's listener question. This week, we asked, what's a song that's getting you through shelter in place and why? Hi, my name is Rose. I live in Olympia, Washington. I'm a certified medical assistant in these strange times. And the song that's getting me through is When the World is Running Down by the Police. I'm part of a Facebook group called Olympia Mutual Aid Collective, and we are using the best of what's still around. We're using the Internet to help each other to do little curbside pickups and drop-offs and to tell each other where you can find things like toilet paper. So I'm very grateful to music. I'm very grateful to KEXP and all the people there who are still keeping everything going. Hey folks, thanks for getting us through this isolating time with your cheerful personas and excellent taste in tunes. My quarantine song is best enjoyed screaming along in your room, imagining the static buzz within the walls and beyond. It's times like these that remind me how truly connected we are in this digital world. This song goes out to my housemates Alex, Emily, and Christian for being the best chosen family I could ever socially distance with. Love and Clorox, Paige. My name is Jazz from Seattle, and one song that's been helping me during Stay Home, Stay Safe is Stereolab's 1994 song Ping Pong. 
the ironic line, things will look after themselves, points to the fact that people need to look after each other and that nothing's going to naturally resolve. It does ask, how are we going to take steps to break through the stages of slump and insufficient recovery? I think one answer is actually just organizing and helping each other out. Uh, it's up to us, and I think that's actually the hopeful message in this really ironic and jaded song. My name is Spyro. I live in Seattle. And for the last two weeks, my wife and I have been in separate rooms because she's been exhibiting COVID-19 symptoms. I wear a mask. I serve her all of her food. And we text and FaceTime like long-distance lovers. And we look forward to the day where we can quarantine together. And I keep on having this song in my head by Paul McCartney called Every Night, where he sings... Every night, I just want to stay in and be with you. But tonight, I just want to stay in and be with you. And be with you. Thanks to everyone for writing in and sharing your story during these crazy times we're living in. Inspiro, I hope that your wife gets better soon. And thanks to you for listening. KEXP is a publicly funded station, and we too are feeling the financial impact of coronavirus. Please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to KEXP and this podcast at kexp.org sound. And please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing podcasts is basically what deems podcasts worthy in the podcast world. Well, I hope you're hanging in there and staying healthy. I leave you with our final question of the show, why does music matter? I asked musician Alia D'Alessandro of the Seattle band Trace Leches about why music matters right now amid the coronavirus pandemic. You know, it's natural to feel sadness and grief right now. You know, the reality is that we are losing, um, losing normalcy and, and our way of life is changing. And uh, if you're an artist, uh, right now, you're needed now more than ever. People are going to need things to kind of cut through, you know, the onslaught of all the negative things that are happening. Um, people need their stories told and people need inspiration, um, both to both to get through this time and also to think of solutions to these challenges that we're all going through together. So I guess I'm just saying that um, all the hurt that everybody's feeling is valid and not to give up um, and do what you can. Do your part. If you're an artist, make your art because the world really needs it right now. Two, three,
That was Sound and Vision. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>